The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. I challenge the president to join with us. Let's go across the country and let's debate. As we say in my faith, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. Britain has to be competitive. And if we put up taxes, we're not going to get that investment and growth. We're going to continue to monitor uh, the global market. It's as if we were over the Indy 500 when we stopped maneuvering. And then we simply have to coast all the way to Baltimore. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The government's set to run out of funding on Friday, and there's still no plan to vote on today. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we begin the final week of September with big questions about the congressional agenda and, of course, the outcome of the midterm elections now only seven weeks off. We're joined today by Congressman Chuck Fleischman, Republican from Tennessee, who's on the front lines of the budget debate as a member of the Appropriations Committee. Later, world markets spooked by massive tax cuts planned in the U.K. and now the election of a new prime minister in Italy. We'll get the view and hopefully some sense from you and Relly of BDA Partners. Analysis on these stories and more coming up with our signature panel. They're both with us today, Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. No one is predicting a government shutdown on Friday. I want to say that up front. But lawmakers have still not come to agreement on a bill to keep the government running. The Senate is set to hold a vote tomorrow, procedural vote, on legislation that we've talked about, including Joe Manchin's energy permitting bill. If you listen to this program, you already know that that may not fly unless Manchin can convince enough Republicans to say yes. He showed up on Fox News Sunday yesterday to make the case. Shan, this is not about me. Uh, My Republican friends, I've been working for 12 years with them. And I know their number one item that they've had, a number one priority they've had, is permitting reform. We can't build anything in America. It takes five to ten years. The developed world takes one to three years. And why should we be so far behind the developed world to bringing products to market, to be able to have the infrastructure to move energy around? And we're asking people around the world to do things for us we won't do for ourselves. My Republican friends know exactly where we are. All right, so there's the elevator pitch, and that's where we start with Congressman Chuck Fleischman, Republican from Tennessee, who serves on the House Appropriations Committee. Congressman, I thank you for coming back to talk to us. Would you support a government funding bill if it included Joe Manchin's permitting reform? What do you make of his argument? I don't think it's going to see the light of day. Um, Let me say this. Uh, I am generally not a fan of continuing resolutions, but the worst thing that we could have right now I think, would be a government shutdown. But I think the reality is, is Joe Manchin was duped by his own party, specifically by Chuck Schumer, for the ill-fated or for the ill-named Inflation Reduction Act. This was supposed to be his big chit that he was going to get. The reality is two Democrats, uh, Senator Sanders and I believe Senator Kane, have already said no to Joe Manchin. And he's going to have to get at least 10 or more Republican votes. Right. I just don't think he's going to get it in the Senate. So I don't think it ever gets to the House in that posture. Okay. Um, on, on principle, 
mention is is right about the permitting problems. The problem is he's been misplayed uh, because of this this prior ill lead on the Inflation Reduction Act, and and now his his bill is probably going to suffer for it. Well, he calls this Joe Manchin calls this lack of support, particularly from Republicans and some progressive Democrats too. He calls it revenge politics. If you agree with the need to reform permitting, is is he not wrong? Well, uh, you have to look at this as a, a progression, or in my case, as I, I call what the Democrats have done from the inflation reduction back all the way forward this year, we have seen pieces of legislation that they have wanted to cram down for quite some time. They couldn't do it in one bite, so they did it in little bites, and they duped. Schumer literally duped him into believing this, as did other Democrats. So I'm not going to call it revenge politics. I'm going to call it common sense politics. But the reality is we're going to probably have to have a cleaner uh, CR if we're going to avoid a government shutdown. And nobody wants a government shutdown. So would Republicans, if if you won the majority, would Republicans come back and do this on their own? Is permitting reform something that you want to see happen in the near term? Okay. You just don't want Joe Manchin's name on it, then? Well, no, I think it needs to look different, but clearly, clearly, we have got to streamline uh, the permitting process in this country. It's too laborious. It's too lengthy. We can't get anything done. Um, It's a problem. But Joe Manchin's problem are not Republicans. Joe Manchin's problem are now Democrats. And the reality is he guessed wrong in the last chess move, and now he's in a checkmate position on the wrong side of it. Man, that's that's some tough stuff. You work in a heck of a business, Congressman. You don't think the government's going yeah. to shut down, though, right? A clean CR passes on Friday is your thought. I hope and pray that we get to that point. Yes. Let me explain where I think we're, we're going to be. The Senate will take it up first, and what they will take up is basically a House shell bill. So there'll, there'll be a House vehicle that doesn't do anything, goes to the Senate, they will vote on it. I think at that point in time, mm-hmm. Manchin's efforts will fail. That's a yeah. prediction. And we'll get a cleaner CR back, and we should we should do that hopefully by Friday. Now, God forbid it bogs down. It has uh-huh. happened before in my 12-year congressional tenure where we slip into a government shutdown mode. Right. I don't see that. I don't think either party has an appetite for that. I know the markets don't. The American people don't. Well, I'll tell you, you start walking up to the edge, to your point, things can happen. Uh, but the idea here, then, is we kick the can till mid-December, right? The CR would go through the middle of December. Won't that just set up another standoff right before the new year in the next session? Well, absolutely correct. I think you've called that right. The The CR will go to either December the 14th or 16th. But we will have had a major event by then. We will have had midterm elections yeah, right. affecting the House and the Senate. And I think the fate of the CR or the budget for fiscal 23 will rest on uh, the results of the midterms. If Republicans have, and I hope as we do, a huge win in the House, uh, probably a more narrow win in the Senate, but we take over both chambers, I think we yeah. will see a very different view. And, of course, you got another dynamic. Senator Leahy and Senator Shelby are both retiring. They will not be in the next Congress. So it, there are a lot of factors affecting this, but really the results of the midterm will probably dictate what happens in December. We're talking with Congressman Chuck Fleischman, Republican from Tennessee, here on Bloomberg Sound On. I want to ask you about border security, knowing that Republicans yes, are in fact writing a menu here for what 
uh, what you might want to pursue, and I think that's pretty high on the list if if you were to take the House. Kirsten Cinema, in next door in the Senate, who appeared today with Mitch McConnell at his full endorsement, apparently at the University of Kentucky, gave her a wonderful introduction. Uh, she was asked, you know, what's next for you? What is it you want to do? She picked one issue. It was immigration. So she wants to tackle it after the midterms. Here's what she said. There is a challenge that I that I still want to accomplish. And um, it's close to home for me. You know, I was born and raised near the border in southern Arizona. And for my entire lifetime, the federal government has absolutely failed absolutely failed. Congressman, do you believe she says she's going to call John Cornyn after the midterms to get the ball rolling? Is immigration reform even possible in this divided country after watching it come up and be knocked down over and over again over the last two decades? I think border control is and has to be, and all politics is local, and Kirsten Cinema is a very astute politician. She is going to be up for election she is in the state, Arizona, that is directly affected, as is Texas, by the border. As the ranking member, the highest Republican, myself, on the Homeland Security Subcommittee, I have worked to fund the wall, border security, border technology, and this administration rebuffs it at every level. Every time we come up with a new technology or something that could keep the borders closed, they basically work against us, as do progressives in the House and Senate. And what have you got? Open borders. Over 2 million illegals this year. We don't even know who all has gotten over. They're speaking of over 130 different languages. Uh, this is not just the triangle countries. This is a matter of national security. So it's a border security first, yeah. possibly an immigration bill after that. It will be much more difficult. But remember, let's give kudos to former President Trump. He wanted to talk about uh, immigration reform. He actually had a plan for DACA. And who killed it? The Democrats. Why? Well, because of politics. We, dealing with the, the, the current state of affairs, though, you're saying that a comprehensive bill is not realistic. If I'm trying to just read between the lines, you'd have to get security first and then you would deal with immigration later. They're not coming in the same swing. That's correct. I think first and foremost, you've got to stop the bleeding at the border. It's open. It's porous. It's dangerous. It's crime. It's drugs. It's it's dehumanizing to 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 uh, to the people coming over. It is a catastrophe. And the sad part about it, everything that was in place that was working, the buffer uh, 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 practice in, in Mexico, uh, basically Biden is doing away with this. They, they, they have taken every step. We come up with technologies. We come up with solutions. Yeah, and they're it. deaf to us. And it gives the conclusion, and the American people know this, they do not want border security in the Democratic Party. We want it in the Republican Party. I think the American people want it. It's going to be a big issue in the midterms in states like Arizona, in states like Texas, and I really think in states like mine, like Tennessee. Is it right to be flying migrants around places like Martha's Vineyard to make a point in the meantime? Do you support that strategy? I, I think both uh, uh, Governor DeSantis and, and Governor Abbott have taken appropriate means to let those radical progressive states that have claimed that they want open borders to now to suffer under some of the real consequences yeah. that other border states have done. So the reality is they got a dose so. of reality in those states. And what did they say? They didn't like it. 
They couldn't afford it. Sure. So, so you do support York, that, though. Wake up, Marshall. Okay, yeah. I read you. Here's our last one. I've got less than a minute, Congressman. I'm just going to throw this at you. We'll make it our pretend lightning round. Representative Nancy Mace, Republican on Meet the Press yesterday, talking about Republican potential to impeach Joe Biden. There's a lot of pressure on Republicans to have that vote, to put that that legislation forward and to have that vote. I think that is uh, something that some folks are considering. Are you hearing about that as well, Congressman? There'll be an effort to impeach the president if you take the majority. Here's the problem. Because of what the Democrats under Nancy Pelosi have done to Donald Trump twice, which was utterly ridiculous. So it's coming around is what you're saying. But two times. I'm going to say now because of that horrible accident, horrible incident, the reality is any time... Congressman Chuck Fleischman, this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Just a taste of what's to come, not only this week, but potentially after a Republican takeover of the U.S. House. That's what everyone's predicting, right? Congressman Chuck Fleischman with us on the fastest hour in politics, making it clear the Republican from Tennessee is on the Appropriations Committee. says the government not likely going to shut down on Friday. Nobody thinks that's going to happen. They'll probably jettison the Joe Manchin permitting bill along the way. But fascinating remark there toward the end as I asked him about Nancy Mace and her comments yesterday on Meet the Press as we prepare to assemble the panel. Remind you of what she said. She told Chuck Todd about the effort to impeach. I believe there's a lot of pressure on Republicans to have that vote, to put that that legislation forward and to have that vote. I think that is uh, something that some folks are considering. Wow. Again, I'm someone who wants to, yeah, I want to follow the Constitution. It's really important. Oversight's important. As we bring in Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis, our signature panel here on Sound On. It's great to have both of you back. Hope it was a great weekend. I'm sure you saw this conversation, uh, Rick Davis. Is that the first move that Republicans make if they take the House? Well, I think there'll be a spate of investigations. You know, much like Democrats opened up all, a lot of investigations when they took over. Uh, it's become sort of the norm, right? Instead of legislating, we're investigating. And mm-hmm. uh, and so there is a tit for tat. Uh, you heard uh, Congressman Fleischman say, well, you know, they impeached Trump twice. We got to do it at least once. It's, I mean, he didn't <laughs> right. say that, but I mean, that was the impression I was left with. And uh and to be honest with you, it's an incredible waste of taxpayer dollars. Uh, you know, but look, uh, this is the politics that we're left with these days, and I have no doubt that one of the largest agenda items a new Republican Congress will have is to launch investigations into various aspects of the mm-hmm. Biden administration. 
The tit-for-tat there also with regard to Joe Manchin's bill here, Jeannie, and I'd be curious to hear you weigh in on the impeachment thing, too, but the congressman made it clear. Republicans come back and and put up an energy permitting bill that does not have Joe Manchin's name on it. They're going to pass it. They will, and this has been the frustration, and we've seen, as you played the clip, Joe Manchin out on the Sunday shows. He, You know, the op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, he is trying desperately to get the number of Republicans he needs to pass this thing. It's going to be very hard to do that, and his frustration has been just what you said, that, that they want permitting reform, but it, it, he feels that they are just frustrated that he worked with Democrats on the IRA, and they're taking it out on him. You know, I would suggest there is another element of this, and that is the actual substance of the bill itself. There are Republicans who feel that the bill does not go far enough. Mm. Joe Manchin essentially says you got to take the best we can do, and I think he's making a fair point for those who want this kind of reform. But for some Republicans, they feel that the bill is a skinny version of what they would like to see, Mm -hmm. and so they're reluctant to pass this because very much like Democrats with the gun bill, you pass this, people say we did it, they don't revisit it again. And so there are several areas like litigation capping, for instance, that they're frustrated doesn't go far enough enough do either of you think the government is going to shut down this week even for you know the weekend while they get their act together rick what's your thought yeah no i don't think so i've never heard a period of time in uh, congress where we had a government shutdown looming five days away and everybody was basically saying the same thing which is we're going to fix this and pass the cr before that so the fact that there's nobody driving the negative Nobody's right. actually saying, I'm going to hold this thing up. Uh, then it indicates to me that it's going to get done. Well, we had a group of, of uh, Democrats. Was, gosh, there were over 80 of them, I think, at last count, Jeannie, who were, were, were threatening to do so. Is, is that That's not in the cards, is it? No, I don't think so. I mean, their their focus was on Joe Manchin's bill, you know, bill that's that's, you know, at this point, likely not to be included, likely not to pass. They would much rather get home to their districts for these House members. They all right. have to be campaigning. And that is the real focus now. So I think they're going to get out as soon as possible. They could end up staying, you know, through the weekend. Um, we've already heard rumblings of that. But, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to see a, a shutdown. I want to ask you about this uh, comment today from Kirsten Cinema, Rick. And by the way, she, I mentioned she was introduced by Mitch McConnell, called her the most effective first-term senator in his career. This is not a Republican he's talking about. He was introducing a Democrat at the University of Kentucky. I believe it was the McConnell Center, as a matter of fact. But Kirsten Cinema says she's going to call John Cornyn after the midterms, Rick, and get the ball rolling on this. Uh, Few people know as much as you do about the difficulty here and the complexities of of crafting and passing comprehensive immigration reform. McCain Kennedy was a long time ago. Uh, Is she about to learn a tough lesson? You know, I I hope not. Uh, Certainly the politics hasn't got any better for a bipartisan comprehensive immigration reform package to get through and to become law. I would say uh, I'd always thought that it would be a Republican president that got it only because that's usually the stumbling block is Republican leadership uh, at getting a comprehensive bill passed. And and when uh, George W. Bush tried it and failed, uh, I thought, uh, you know, maybe that might have been the best shot we had. Hmm. Kristen Sinema uh, has been underestimated all along her career, and she did pass some landmark legislation this last year in a bipartisan fashion. And Republicans love to do business with her. She does what she says she's going to do and has the interest of the country uh, ahead of her own self-interest in Arizona. So wow. she'll pull a primary because of it, but she I wouldn't count her out. Huh. Pull a primary because, Jeannie, I, wouldn't that be a great story to tell, you know, as a Democrat? Or is working with a Republican on that a no-go? 
Well, we've already seen one of her poten uh, potential or possible primary challengers who seems to be commenting on Twitter and elsewhere about mm. this, you know, relationship between her and Mitch McConnell and that high praise that you talked about. So yeah, yeah. it is going noticed. It is going to be an issue for her in the primary. And it is something that she's going to have to contend with. Jeannie Shantano and Rick Davis make up our signature panel. They're back coming up. We're going to turn to the turmoil in the markets today and all roads lead to politics. This is Bloomberg. Hey, it's Bloomberg Sound on the fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. As we turn to the matter at hand, you heard Doug get to some of this here. Treasury yields surging and the superlatives are really starting to scare people. Sent the 10-year up by the most since the March 2020 COVID crash. I thought I was seeing things. The 10-year climbs more than 20 basis points to 2010 levels. And that's happening here while things get complicated overseas. The Bank of England, now UK Treasury, failing in a joint bid to calm financial markets. As both indicated, investors will need to wait until November for a real policy response to what we're saying on the terminal is the fallout from the new government's massive tax cuts. This is a big deal. Liz Truss, remember, about an hour after she became prime minister, proposing massive tax cuts, talked about it, asked about it today, considering the market reaction by Sky News. Britain has to be competitive. And if we put up taxes, if we have arbitrary taxes on energy companies, if we have high corporation tax, we're not going to get that investment and growth. At the election of, the apparent election, of Georgia Maloney, the far-right candidate in Italy, that's got the Italian bond market in a tizzy. So this, of course, came up today at the White House, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. We're going to continue to monitor uh, the global markets. Uh, what we are, are, are laying out is what the meeting that the president had with his economic team, how seriously we're taking this, uh, how uh, closely uh, that we are you know, having conversations uh, with our team. So they're meeting, they're having conversations, but there's not a lot you can do when it's coming out of another country. And that's why we wanted to spend some time with Ewan Relly, co-founder and managing partner of BDA Partners back with us on Bloomberg Radio. You and how worried are you that this just keeps getting worse? These policies haven't even taken effect yet. Well, Joe, it's not it's not good news. And I uh, told one of your colleagues a week a week or two ago that the UK is uninvestable. Um, it didn't become any more investable. It's uh, very very difficult to know how the uh, how the new administration is going to reassert credibility. What did you make of the election in Italy, and did that, in fact, spook you even more as it seemed to the market at large? The, 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 the list of political worry points is quite long now. Um, we're worried about China. We're worried about Ukraine. We're worried mm -hmm. about Russia. We're worried about the U.K., and now we're worried about Italy, too. Uh, so it's an alarming list. The fear factor is high in this market. And of course, some would say that's, you know, the sign of the bottom, the capitulation. But I'm guessing you don't see it that way if you think the UK is uninvestable. I'm, I'm afraid to say, I think um, the new administration came in, Liz Truss and Quasi Quarteng came in uh, very aggressively, as you said earlier, making quite uh, reckless policy pronouncements on the first day of the administration. And uh, and I think it's going to take a while for them to figure out how to uh, how to correct their um, their positions. 
So, so you and the story today really is elections have consequences, and this market is just coming to grips with them. Well, remember, remember that Liz Truss was elected by something like 75,000 members of the Conservative Party, um, which again is, uh, is, is painful for a, a lot of other invest, a lot of other elect, yeah. you know, um, population in the UK. We have a population of 60 million people, and and uh, 70,000 members of one political party chose this prime minister. Is the uh, the story that that's unfolding in the UK as well? As Italy, if that if that turns into a more protracted downturn in Europe, does that mean a more uh, protracted downturn? And if I can use the word recession here in the U.S., I think I think it's not all bad news for the U.S. I think you know, invest we investors like certainty, we like predictability. There isn't much of that around at the moment, but conversely, I think we will see a flight to quality. I think the U.K. the the U.S. despite its issues today political issues and economic issues feels like a pretty sensible place all of a sudden well i don't mean to get too cute but does the does the opportunity to make a little money in the bond market to get some returns on on your savings bring any silver lining to the financial picture here in the u.s yes i think so and i think you know we've seen tax cuts in in europe so there are some there will be some opportunities uh, in the UK, sorry, we've seen tax cuts, so there will be yeah. some opportunities uh, uh, um, there as well. Um, and I think, you know, it's just it just seems like a very volatile uh, uh, moment in history. So it's not, you know, the right moment necessarily for conventional stock market investors. But, but of course, we'll see the contrarians. Uh, some hedge funds are going to do well in the next couple of months, I suspect. Oh, I bet. You're not about to tell me to start buying CDs or something, are you? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. But 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 I'd hold your breath for a day or two. Yeah, I got you. Falls out. You and Rally's got way too much edge for CDs. Co-founder and managing partner at BDA Partners. Really great pleasure, you and thank you for always bringing some sense to this conversation. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Thanks for being with us as we start. Gosh, another fascinating week here with some great unknowns. And coming up. It was 62 years ago today. Imagine this. Changed the world of politics. And as we're going to hear right now, the debate, listen, has not changed very much. The candidates need no introduction. The Republican candidate, Vice President Richard M. Nixon, and the Democratic candidate, Senator John F. Kennedy. Mr. Khrushchev is in New York, and he maintains the communist offensive throughout the world because of the productive power of the Soviet Union itself. The Chinese communists have always had a large population, but they are important and dangerous now because they are mounting a major effort within their own country. There is no question but that this nation cannot stand still because we are in a deadly competition, a competition not only with the men in the Kremlin, but the men in Peking. We're ahead in this competition, as Senator Kennedy, I think, is implied. But when you're in a race, the only way to stay ahead is to move ahead. The first televised debate, Nixon-Kennedy. What were they talking about? Russia and China. Fast forward to 2022. We've got the best panel in the business and a lot of news to talk about connected to both. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano come in next. You picked the right place here to get informed on the fastest hour in politics. This is Bloomberg. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Yeah, that's just seven weeks to the midterm elections. It's really sneaking up on us here, and we haven't seen a lot of debates. Actually, we haven't seen really a lot of them even scheduled yet. Dr. Oz and John Fetterman, they are finally going to get one, it looks like, one debate for a seat that could decide the balance of power here in Washington. And after recalling the debate of 62 years ago today. It doesn't exactly feel like progress. Let's reassemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. What's your thought on that, uh, Jeannie, as we watch debates kind of become something of the past, at least the traditional televised debate? Sometimes they'll get together and, you know, do something in a, in a, in a friendly, uh, a more friendly way uh, with hosts that agree with them and so forth. But we're, we're seeing a tradition slowly erode, slowly leave us, aren't we? We are. First of all, I loved the music, and every debate should have that music. It and should, we, actually. <laughs> it should. But we are, and you know, you think back to that and how much that debate transformed the way that we elect presidents in this country. And it brought those, you know, the elections essentially into our kitchens, into our living rooms. And you had, you know, millions of Americans at the same time watching what was happening. And so much of that has changed now. I mean, just one example is that you know young people today many young people don't watch live tv everything is streamed so the idea that you'd be watching it in concert with millions of other people Mm -hmm. you know it may not be that way and of course you know there's other changes as well so you know we aren't likely to see that come back and maybe for people like richard nixon that might be a welcome a welcome thing what's your thought on this rick is it because so many people have already made up their minds their voting party what 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 leads to this because a lot of candidates think they can only get in trouble in a debate. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's the latter. Uh, it's risk, risk management, right? I mean, you get to this point where primaries are later and later, so there's less and less time. You, you're really not even starting these general elections till after Labor Day, and then you've got a 60-day sprint. And who wants to upset the apple cart? Even when you're behind, you know, maybe you chase your, your opponent who's in the lead to get a debate, and maybe they'll give you one, like in the situation with, mm-hmm. with Oz and Fetterman. But uh, the reality is it just it does still matter, right? I mean, debates matter, which is why they're so high risk. And uh, even though, you know, they're not always based on a 
you know, uh, an iPhone so that most people would watch them, as Jeannie says. Yeah. Uh, there are very few of us relics sitting around watching the evening news <laughs> these days on television. Right. Um, the reality is that, that in a political campaign, they, they introduce an element of risk that most people have become immune to. They just don't want it. They want those TV ads that they can control. They want the ground game they can operate by stick. So uh, this is still the Wild West in campaigns. and. Right. I'm glad that, that people think they're relevant enough to worry about them. Well, you're a specialist in preparing uh, politicians for debates. You like This is your game, Rick. Do they actually help voters if we've decided they don't actually help the candidates? Oh, sure. There have been many, many instances over time, including that debate you just played, uh, where huh. uh, presidential elections were determined by the conduct of the candidate during the debate, the famous moments of George H.W. Bush looking at his watch while right. Bill Clinton pontificated along, uh, you know, uh, the, the the situation in, in 68 where uh, it wasn't even so much what was said, but how you looked. Hmm. Uh, and TV was a new thing then. But the reality is that, yes, uh, people still watch them. 40 million people will watch a presidential debate. That's not a small thing. And uh, and, and I do think, though, they need to be upgraded, right? I mean, we're tired of the show stuff, you know, in front of crowds that cheer and boo. Uh, <laughs> that presidential debate you played was in a studio with those two people and mm -hmm. a moderator. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, I think people would get a lot more out of that kind of a format. A panel of moderators. Uh, you know who wants to debate, Jeannie? Wants to debate Joe Biden. It's not Donald Trump. I challenge the president to join with us. Let's go across the country and let's debate what his policies has done to America and our plan for a new direction. And let's let America make the decision for the best way for this country to go forward. That's Kevin McCarthy, of course, the minority leader who unveiled his commitment to America, as you discussed on Friday. That came with a challenge to debate the president. I'm assuming, Jeannie, he's not going to take that challenge. Yeah, I would assume Joe Biden would not. And interesting that Kevin McCarthy is, you know, challenging Joe Biden to a debate and says not one word about the leader of his own party, who himself says he is likely running for president, which is Donald Trump. So that is interesting. And, you know, we should say there is a debate coming up on Friday between Greg Abbott and Beto O'Rourke. I understand is the only one that they're going to have for this election. But that, I think, is going to be a very interesting and maybe even a heated debate. I'm not sure down in texas you know donald trump was out again over the weekend he held another rally i guess this is like every saturday night now i'm not sure it was north carolina this time he's stumping for ted budd and he did the whole music thing again he played the q song again did you guys see this and what what it was like that you know he ends this with two three minutes it was much longer this time though and there was much more ad-libbing the speech even got to the the cleanliness of our airports we are a nation whose once revered airports are dirty and a crowded mess yeah. where you sit and wait for hours and then are notified that the plane won't leave. Well, that's true. And they have no idea when it will. <laughs> a nation where ticket prices are through the roof. Yeah. They don't have the pilots fly the planes. They don't want or seek qualified air traffic controllers. And they don't <laughs> know what they're doing. I'm not sure that last part was true. Uh, it, uh, he doesn't. You think he's flying in the, through airport going to spend a lot of time in the. You know, gates at Terminal C there uh, for, for JetBlue, Rick? I'm assuming not. 
uh, probably not JetBlue, but I do remember the days that there was Trump Airlines, and That's I flew right. from Washington <laughs> to New York on wow. that thing with leather seats. And in the summertime, <laughs> you don't want to sit in a leather th- leather <laughs> yeah. seat on an airplane. And gold buckles. You know, I'll tell you, Jeannie, I, I have to admit, though, in the middle of this, he's doing the, the, the airport routine, all this stuff. He still finds time uh, to condemn the news media in the way that only he can. We are a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is all you get, and they are the enemy of the people. Okay, so it's been a while since we've been called that, maybe since last Saturday. Uh, But Jeannie, there are a lot of concerns in this country about political violence, and this is not helping. No, it's not. And, 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 you know, we had the Republican candidate for a governor in Michigan out, you know, making light of the kidnapping, right. uh, you know, efforts, attempts um, that resulted in arrests and two convictions, oh, you know, just in the last few days. Um, and we've all heard about reports of, of violence increasing as it pertains to public officials and, and political leaders. So this is not a joking matter. And, you know, the most astonishing part of this is that you have somebody who, you know, is facing six major legal challenges, and yet he is doing more rallies than ever at this point, probably raising more money than ever at this point. He remains the face of one of the major parties in our country, and he is flirting with a conspiracy theory in the name of QAnon, which embraces really dangerous misinformation and rhetoric. And, you know, that has driven so many Republicans, including Liz Cheney, from potentially, she says, if he's the nominee from the party. So it is a confounding time from that perspective. He spent some time on Liz Cheney, actually, and said that he thought that, uh, Rick, that her her loss in the primary was an indication that January 6th was, quote-unquote, going away. Uh, Are these words empty now when you hear an enemy of the American people? Should we be worried about that, or is this just, well, it's Trump again, it's just another Trumpism? You know, I, I, I think it is a lot of sort of checked in and checked out, all right? Mm-hmm. The Trumpisms are rampant in these things. We now, you know, Rick got regularly immune to the fact that he goes on these benders about everything from airport cleanliness that you brought up to, you know, the lack of flushing capability right. in American toilets today. I mean, it's don't we really favorites. care about that? And as Jeannie <laughs> said, you know, this is a guy who could be president again and is a threat to democracy in our own country, not to mention potentially around the world. So you can't really uh, make it too much of a joke about it, but it's kind of becoming a joke that I don't know what has happened with this QAnon music that they play, but it's like yeah, it has wow. this Xanax effect on the way he talks. Oh, I mean, man. it's just amazing <laughs> that he just goes into this lull you to sleep kind of thing, monotone. To so end this there's speech. something weird going on in Trump world. Yeah, to end this. We, look, if you were with us last week, I gave you the background to the extent that we understand it. And by that, I mean, we don't. Why this became a QAnon theme. But, you know, he let this thing establish before he started talking. They gave everything they how he had gets to make into America into the, into the greatest and most powerful nation yep. in the history of the world. Now let it rest. There we go. Let it breathe. They love this. They go wild because of its implications. But now we are a nation, a nation in decline. In decline. 
Uh, this is going to be, I presume, Jeannie, the rest of the campaign, right? And we're going to hear this song for the next two years? We will. It seems to be working for the people in the audience. And, you know, just look at the Washington Post poll out over the weekend. Republicans, 47% prefer Donald Trump be their nominee in 24. That is where one of our major parties sit right now. Now, yeah. granted, 46 want them to think about somebody else. But that is, you know... This is somebody who is not just a sort of fringe candidate. He remains the most important leader, and he has transformed this party. And that's where, what we're facing in 22 and 24. We'll pick this up tomorrow with Rick and Jeannie. Many thanks to both of you for a great conversation. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis make up our signature panel, Bloomberg Politics Contributors. Something real cool about to happen not long from now, 7.14 p.m. The DART mission hits the asteroid. We'll talk about it tomorrow. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.